0: Hello everyone! How's everyone doing? About to get started here. Thank you everyone for joining. Uh, I'm Lucas Alvarez. I'm here with Meg Link on Tech, and together we're hosting October's AIGA Insider. Uh, we're both in the in-house committee in Atlanta chapter for AIGA, uh, and currently I work at GNA, a sustainability consultant helping companies navigate their way to sustainability. Meg,
1: hey, and I'm Meg. I'm a freelance designer. I do a lot of work um, with in-house um, businesses, so I'm happy to be here.
0: Awesome, awesome. Well, as usual, we have a great interview for you guys here today with Jerry Braccia. Uh, he's award-winning senior level design director developing 360 brand solutions with measurable results directly impacting profitability and consumer engagement for multi-million dollar national CPG retail brands on and off-premise. Uh, drug, grocery, chain, hospitality, and super retail channels. In short, he's worked really well with developing large brands. So before we dig into the conversation with Jerry, we'd like to thank Atlanta AAJ in-house committee. You know, we're small but mighty. We work in-house, or even if you have vested interest in in-house and you want to get involved, please feel free to reach out to me. Uh, I'm the chair of the board, and i will be the best person to contact. I'll put my information in here uh, towards the end. So just check it out. Uh, you can also find me online at Uh, atlanta.aij.com. And so now without further ado, I'll hand it over to Amy Mangan for our market minutes.
1: Amy? Hello, everyone. I'm Amy Mangan with Robert Half Marketing and Creative. And this month is special because the 2022 salary guide has just been released. Um, I don't have a ton of info specifically on Atlanta that I'm going to share with you. However, I will point out that the guide does have salaries that can be adjusted to our local Atlanta variants and we'll show you kind of what's happening in terms of salaries of all creative marketing and digital roles in our local market. And it's not in uh, today's market minute but this news was just released so I had to share it with you TikTok just announced they're putting an office in Atlanta which is pretty cool. And they're already posting creative jobs here in marketing and brand roles. So go and check out their careers page if you're looking or you know someone who may be. And I have no idea on timeline or dates or anything, but it's coming. All right, so heading into 2022, we are seeing a a rise in uh, salary comp about around 4% on the whole of all professional services industry. For creative and marketing, it's looking a little bit higher than that, actually. We've seen a lot of rebound and growth since the pandemic and some of the pay cuts that occurred or stagnation of salaries. So we're looking probably more like five to 6% growth year over year, which is pretty cool. On the bottom right corner, and this information is all from the salary guide, by the way, these are the hottest roles that we're receiving for both contract and permanent positions um, in Atlanta, but also national. And our numbers in Atlanta really reflect what we're seeing on a national basis. And happy to report the graphic designers and UX designers are both on the list. And those are obviously just alphabetical, not in order of amount of positions. So they're two hot jobs that we're seeing a lot of requests for heading into next year. On the next page, um, what we are looking at is a very um, challenging, shall we say, hiring market. So if you're in a leadership seat or you have roles open around you on a team, you're probably feeling this. Um, our clients are telling us specifically in creative and marketing that it's taking well over three weeks to fill just an execution level, like standard um, non-management position. So that could be like a regular graphic design position with no direct reports. These jobs are staying open for months, months. And so that can potentially create other um, issues, <laughs> for the rest of the team, if there's an entire 40 hour person a week, who's not in that role, that work is going somewhere. And oftentimes it's falling onto those, uh, other folks on the team. And then that creates additional burnout and subsequent retention issues. And it becomes sort of a revolving door and a snowballing issue. Um, so this is a, this is a, pretty key thing to be aware of as a manager or as somebody in a leadership role or who has um, influence on a team. And so a lot of our clients are turning to specialized solutions firms to help um, pick up the the extra workload when it's taking so long to fill full-time permanent roles. And um, that could be just bringing in a, you know, a one-off freelancer or a contractor, or maybe it's plugging in an entire team to help help um, kind of move forward any initiatives that have stalled out and maybe be uh, holding back the rest of the team's uh, forward progress. So good news is over half of uh, hiring managers in creative and marketing are telling us they are adding to their teams heading into 2022. And a lot of what's driving that hiring strategy continues to be e com and digital projects in general. So lots of um, creating seamless customer experience, therefore lots of UX and UI roles, promoting brand awareness and various digital marketing functions. So like lots of uh, digital marketing roles in general, content strategy, analytics positions, those have been hot for both contract and perm hiring. On the next page, What I want to point out is just what are what top performers who were responding to our survey in the salary guide or prior to the salary guide being released um, were telling us that um, where their headspace was. So about 50% of them nationally feel underpaid almost that amount will plan to ask for a raise this year and a third of them will quit without another job lined up if they don't get that raise um i was literally moments ago just reading a fast company article about people quitting without another job safety net set up we're seeing it every day our recruiters are receiving emails um, and you know phone outreach from people who are like hey i just put my notice in i'm free after next friday get me some contract jobs. People have had it. They are sick of being overworked. Um, If they're not getting the changes that they're asking for, they are like, bye. And um, we're seeing it every day. So there's a lot of changing going on in the market. So um, do make sure that you are giving raises when raises are due, doing salary adjustments if necessary, and just making sure you're treating your full-time uh, top performers as best you can. Um, so two two notes on the bottom piece. So 66% of folks are confident they could find a new job quickly, and 87% are, co- are confident in their current skills and marketability. And I'll be honest with you, in the, in the creative space, I mean, if you're a good person and you've got a good book, you're probably right to feel that way you can get a new job very quickly in this market i'm not telling you to go put your notice in and walk out the door today that's not what i'm saying i'm just saying that it's a it's definitely a candidate driven market And it's especially important to make sure that you're treating your folks well. So if you wanna see the rest of the info in the salary guide, it's a free resource. I am happy to share it with you. Um, I think the more people who have access to it, the better. There's a section on uh, DEI, there's a section on uh, benefits. There's a lot of national trends for hiring and it takes about 15, 20 minutes to go through it. um, And I'm happy to do that on a Teams meeting. So feel free to reach out to me on LinkedIn or shoot me an email. My contact info is um, Right there, Amy.mangan at RobertHalf.com. And I look forward to hearing from you. With that, I'm going to hand it back to Lucas.
0: Awesome. Thanks, Amy. Always good to hear that graphic design is in demand. So that's great. Uh, and for the directors out there, make sure to make them happy because uh, you don't want to lose anybody. So without further ado, uh, I'd like to welcome Jerry Braccia. Uh, Jerry? Hi. Hey, hey. Thank you. Thank you Thank so much, you much.
2: Thank you very much. Thank you, Lucas Megan and Absolutely. Amy for putting this together and taking your personal time to to, to walk me all uh, through this and, and to help me uh, to, to meet the Atlanta community coming from Absolutely. New York. I'm extremely, extremely excited um, to, to find out what George is all about.
0: Awesome. Well, hopefully you find some good things here. We um, all love it. So uh, thanks again for being with us here today. So, you know, it's been a pleasure uh, talking with you about your schooling and your career journey so far. Uh, for some background, I'll just give you guys, Jerry first got his BFA in graphic design at State University of Uni- New York College at Purchase. It's a long name, uh, yeah, yeah,
2: yeah.
0: <laughs> but before going on to get his MFA in design at the School of Visual Arts, a fantastic school um, there, he had the pleasure to be taught by some incredible teachers that we'll talk about that pushed him to think outside his comfort zone. Uh, and took them to the next level of talent. So today we wanna talk a little bit about the importance of trying new things out that aren't necessarily your passion that you start out with, but can elevate your perspective and perhaps even become a newly inspired passion. Uh, On that note, I think it'd be great if we could start start today by talking a little bit about your schooling experience and how your perspective grew from, from a young designer to who you are today.
2: Yeah, I think, and yeah, I think that's the, uh, an important part of the, of the journey. I'm I'm, sure, I'm assuming a lot of people who will be seeing this or participating might be, um, you know, a new student, uh, you know, just graduated students or currently students. And uh, for me, my as, as a student, my passion of going back all the way to elementary school was always comics and cartooning and toys and, and things like that. And I always thought that's what it was going to be. And in the very small kind of community of students, uh, you know, from elementary school to high school to college, that the group of people of the talented individuals in that pool—you um, know—it I, I realized like maybe it wasn't as special as I thought going going through the process, and then uh, you know by the time getting to, to college with the advent of social media and seeing wow there are a lot of talented people out there, so I had to rethink uh, that. And even though it will always remain a passion um, in terms of. Uh, a job, uh, you know, I went a, a pragmatic route, which led me to design, which in, in my head um, was uh, at the time when I began uh, my undergrad, uh, commercial art, right? Uh, vocational kind of studies. Um, and then it, it took me a couple of tries to get into uh, Sony. Purchase, it was a very competitive um, um, design program. And when I got in there, uh, it was as an older student uh, as well which I think helped me a little bit with with my perspective because you know um, I had a a commitment and time to think and reflect as to what direction I wanted to go into and to to take the the study seriously that um, you know it was uh, the interdisciplinary um, uh, path was was wonderfully fulfilling and so in-depth and then uh, yeah I just I kind of didn't want to graduate so I just I just you know so as an older student I made this, the decision to just continue straight through uh from uh from undergrad to um uh to uh to graduate school um and, and to continue those studies because I enjoyed them so much and there's so much area to cover and all of my like little passions here and there I was able to to bring in and uh, one way or another so um um yeah I loved uh, SUNY Purchase uh, very much uh you know, some, some really great years there. Um, and then the School of Visual Arts was, was also amazing. Um, a very, you know, uh, amazing and a little intimidating experience. Um, but I f- feel that having gone through it, it gave me um, abilities and, and, and strengths uh, um, uh, to work in house um, that, um, that I might not have had if I didn't go through the experience and gotten out of that um, comfort zone. Feeling so lost uh not just from a disciplinary point of view not really you know a little bit of imposter syndrome because and, you know as a a comic book uh artist and a, and a cartoonist I, I felt a you know a little out of place and, and then some of the, the other professors there were pretty world famous uh, i had just read about them in like the like history <laughs> design books in undergrad and then i was actually taking classes with them in grad and so that was a little intimidating and then we had to present Um, but, uh, you know, I figured if I could survive those rooms, I could survive any room now. So, um, that was a a wonderful experience that I will be paying back the rest of my life. (laughs) Hey,
0: I I mean, I hear that. I think a lot of us can uh, relate to that. And Mm -hmm. also, I think a lot of us can relate to the fact that, you know, when you go through undergrad, even at the beginning before, uh, as an art student, I, I can relate, uh, not necessarily knowing what direction to go in and finding graphic design being, a pragmatic way to approach uh, art into the real world, um, but you find that there's so much to do in there too, that really the undergrad, it's hard to cover it all so I think there's a lot of credit to be said to if you want to focus or find something new to, to remember that going back to school actually is a really good option because yeah. you can really um, pursue specific avenues that you're not able to do in undergrad unless you just go straight into the real world, which is always challenging. So um, on that note, you know, we talked a little bit about when you were going through schooling and obviously you loved comics and toy design and those uh, passions that you had trying to figure out how to put that uh, into application here. Uh, Could you talk a little bit about uh, when you were being School. Uh, when you're at school, the process of breaking from your original focus of that and how you really overcame that.
2: Yeah. Um, well, the encouragement came during during school. But, uh, you know, the first year was, you know, foundational stuff with, uh, you know, um, uh, some of the, the people who have been, you know, I- instrumental in creating the, um, the the design program at the School of Virtual Arts. And then the second year is, you know, you commit to a thesis year uh, uh, for that whole year to. Um, uh, the, the the program at SVA was called um, Designers Entrepreneur, and so the idea was that you would, you know, develop a thing, whatever mm-hmm. that thing is, be it a product, be it um, um, a political campaign, anything that you wanted, just, just the idea was that you would um, be as much of an author as you would a designer, and so, you know, the research um, the creating of it the ownership of it and then the final the presentation and and then defense of it um and so it could literally have been anything and of course mine was a, an action figure uh but uh but it, it, there was a you know a very uh, what we talked about is you know i shared um you know a, a pretty a cool conversation that i had with milton glazer uh on review of some of my work um in that first year where you know i was We were supposed to review everything that we had gone through. It was like the end of the year kind of review. Um, And, you know, he kind of, you know, he was very polite, but he just said, I I don't want to talk about this stuff because it was all comics and toys and, and, you know, all the stuff that I love. And I had gotten pretty good uh, feedback during the year. But uh, during that that kind of um, final meeting, you know, he said, you know, that he just he encouraged me because, you know, he explained he shared that he wanted to be a, a cartoonist um and that after um at that time he was 77 he said you know he felt that he could get back into it now you know after having this entire you know this amazing career as a designer and and so you just don't know where where life kind of takes you so he encouraged me he was like just try something else i said what and he was furniture design it doesn't matter um as long as it's outside your kind of comfort zone um um, so you could learn something about yourself and maybe find a uh, a new passion and uh um you know, that just always stayed in my mind. So after um, uh, a successful presentation, my thesis and graduating and, and getting into the, to the real world, um, I started in wine, <laughs> in the wine industry, which is not something I ever, ever considered. I've never been a drinker. I've never been um, a fan uh, of wine, even though my, my father made his own wine and, you know, being um Italian from uh Mount Vernon (laughs) I'm not a stranger to it it's just not it was not something I considered as a professional choice and um I, I think that what I found interesting about that experience is kind of being objective about it I didn't have a passion for it I didn't love it because if you ever met a hardcore wine drinker they are super passionate and it's hard to talk to them sometimes and uh and for me I just sometimes I felt like an alien just kind of in this world, making observations, taking down notes and, um, the brands that I ended up working on, you know, from Yellowtail to menage a trois wines, they were very irreverent, very different for, you know, um, for their categories. And, and I think that, you know, my sense of whimsy that came from, you know, and humor that came from cartoons and, and comics and science fiction and all of that. Um, uh, I think in the pieces that I ended up creating, um, in that, uh, in that time from 2008 to, 2019 was i think you could see it in there um and um and of course a lot of it was tactile and 3d so my passions were you know that itch was always scratched um uh in in terms of what i really really enjoyed to do and um you know it's strange strange advice to say you know what the content is is almost irrelevant um but it, it kind of was because for me it was it was the joy was in the process um and um And then, in terms of whether I would go in house or to an agency or anything like that, I I always felt um, a gravity towards in house work because the people that I admired, the people in that, you know, um, um, uh, studies book, they were all pretty much in house for a great portion of their career, Um, and I don't know if that was an accident or if that was just the nature, you know, predating. Um you know the the prevalence of uh of marketing via agency, but I, you know I thought that was kind of cool all my heroes were in house, so why not? And uh you know, and I'm still here.
0: That's awesome. I mean, yeah, going to you kind of answered one of my next questions, which was uh, how did experimenting help you with your overall understanding of design? And it seems uh briefly what you said, and we can go a little more into it. was just it you can take what you learn from that one aspect that you love and just apply it to other things, even if they aren't your passion and you can start to figure out ways to infuse those and actually become something new uh, and and cool. So, I mean, is there anything else too that, uh, the experimenting or what did you experiment when Milton Glaser told you, you know, try furniture design? Uh, Where did you go after that? Like, what did you do to to help you get that uh, additional perspective?
2: Uh, For me, it was about um, 3D design, which was like, I won't say in its infancy, but in terms of like 3D printing and um, and, and things like that, uh, at the time in 2008, it was, you know, a, it was expensive to do so, um, you know, uh, and it was a specialized kind of thing. Now, for what I paid for like one piece of my prototype, I could actually have like a print farm in my garage. And so like, you know, so things have changed radically in a very short period of time. Um, but, uh, you know, uh, I, I took the... Um, furniture design thing and I, I tried to make kind of like a a Venn map in my head of like a, a diagram in my head about um, what it is that I enjoyed about what I do uh, versus what other things were and you know and so a lot of drawing um, iterating and life size um you know I, I read somewhere that um, I forgot if it was Monet or Manet, they did their they did their sketches in like, in actual size, uh, because, you know, something, a mural does not translate from this big to life size. And so, and so that was something like I would prototype in um, in 3d and, you know, I, you know, looking back, I probably, it should have been probably more of a product design, um, kind of a journey for me, but, um, you know, I inject, um, the, the 3d and tactile quality and, uh, and to try to, pretty much anything I, I try to do and and for something that's sold in retail and uh um whether it's wine or or pizza um i think that that it you know it's relevant and so you know um i'm a little scared around you know like table saws and stuff like that so i don't know about furniture design proper but you know maybe
0: yeah you know like you said and going back to the point it doesn't necessarily have to be your main focus but trying it helps kind of bring yeah. it back together. And, and yeah. how can you apply that? And you, I mean, I found too, when uh, experimenting with different aspects of design, whether it's 3d, uh, how I can then now pull that into what I'm doing now and it's surprising. So yeah. uh, I guess on that note too, what is some advice you might give someone who's on your team or that you just met at starting off uh, on, on who's only really wants to pursue one passion of design, like comics yeah. besides yeah. just, experiment how, how might you what else might you tell them
2: well i think that um and maybe it's a cultural thing uh for this country or my generation i don't know but i think that there is a um a, 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 t- a tension uh or a, an overemphasis on having to be like super good at it in order to bother at all like mm-hmm. i've spoken to many i don't golf i'm not a sports fan but i've I'm sure that you can find a lot more poor golfers and bowlers than you can great ones. And so and so that's like, well, what's the point? The point is, is that like um, uh, for sculpture and a lot of this 3D stuff, I didn't say I was good at it. I just said that I love it. And I think that is the I think that's a big, big difference. You know, like I, you know, I, I would love to try surfing. I don't think I'll be any good at it. That's not something you know. You're not going to find GoPro footage of me of, of doing it. But I might enjoy it and might be uh, very happy at the end of the day. So, um, you know, my first hire, Courtney. Um, you know, we, you know, you have that interview process where you, you you talk about you know passions, and um, she said that uh, she painted um, guitar amps or and speakers for bands, and I just thought that was such an interesting thing. And I think it's just important to just try a bunch of stuff. Don't worry if you're good at it or not. You don't have to post everything to Instagram and, and get instant feedback of it. And sometimes it's just allowing your brain to activate in a way that you might not have thought. So whether it was, you know, painting or or drawing, I had a, another direct report who was very, very linear. She was very, very um, intent on, she did not want to kind of go past being a senior art director. Nothing is wrong with that. Uh, uh, she was fine with that. Um, and, and in the end, in, in, in talking back and forth with her, we, f- we figured um, letterpress uh, was a really good fit for her. So just as long as just getting off of the computer for just a second, um, to kind of to key into that that one little thing that just really really makes your brain happy and 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 letterpress definitely you know as opposed to like calligraphy or any of the other things we kind of like proposed back and forth letterpress really did it for her and and it was awesome um, and then later on on a brand called um, Charles and Charles which is a Washington wine you can totally see it in in some of the work that um, that she that she produced um, um, and, and for me that. I think that is key. what I always tell um, you know anybody who would ask is yeah. you know is basically um just try the new thing and don't worry about if you're good at it uh, or or not. Um, just let your um let your brain try something different. And very I think yeah very-
1: that. Um, Court. I mean, Brittany had a question about, would you recommend doing a UX UI uh, design boot camp for uh, after you, if you have a BFA and you've oh, already for sure, graduated, for sure. would you recommend Absolutely. doing a boot camp, just to expand your skills?
2: Absolutely. One, one of the great things I like about Papa John's is they have um, um, a tuition reimbursement um, system and uh, one, you know, and so there's, there's two different ones. There's an in real life one that has to be kind of like germane to like what you're due for the company. Um, and then there's another one that is you know digital online learning, which can be anything. Um, and that is a, a great question because that's actually what I'm interested in 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 next doing. So um, um, uh, uh, game design and and mobile app development is something that I'm absolutely um, want to want to look into. So yeah, yeah, definitely. The resources are all out there. so whether it's,, um, you know Khan academy or or just YouTube, I'm addicted to tutorials. I love tutorials and uh, um, but yeah, actually getting the, the certificate isn't important too. I did for like CMS development and, and things like that when I developed the website for um, one of the wine importers I, I worked for. It, it was just, it helped me to get, if not fluent, because I said, again, it's not about be, being good at it. It's just being able to be conversant um, uh, in something. So,
0: Yeah, uh, I think that's, that's great. Uh, trying, it goes back to trying can spark a passion and it also can spark new ideas. You don't have to be the best at it ultimately, um, but maybe you are. So uh, on that too, uh, passion versus work, I think it goes without saying everyone like wants to work at a place that they're passionate about, uh, but to what degree does that take shape in the real world? Uh, Is it like all or nothing? I mean, I think ultimately uh, both should exist for a healthy work balance as you're describing. uh, And they also often cross paths in interesting ways. So uh, I would like to talk just a little bit about your first jobs, uh, developing creative for some really well-known wine brands that you kind of already mentioned, Yellowtail, Menage a Trois, uh, mm-hmm. and how you branched out from the primary brand uh, passion, actually provided you new perspectives and led many successful campaigns and promotions. So uh, yeah, let's talk a little bit about uh, what those new perspectives sure. were when you're working there.
2: Yeah. Well, one of the unique things about working in-house is that, especially for, for large brands, um, that might not have um, large brands or companies that don't have marketing infrastructure yet. Um, you know, you might inherit a lot of ideas, or you might work um, in parallel or in service to an external agency that are that are providing broader ideas. Um, but I always try to stay extremely tuned in for opportunities where, because there's always going to be air in the conversation. And, and, and as an Italian American person, uh, you know, I'm, I don't get offended by people interrupting (laughs) and I have a bad habit of that myself. It's just how we talk. Um, But uh, anyway, uh, you know, I, I try to um, be prepared for those little opportunities because the agency, uh, the external agencies can't do it all or will charge to do it all. And so, um, so for things like Yellowtail, um, uh, we were able, there were, you know, uh, on two particular um, uh, SKU offerings in that line, we were able to do the, um, the 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 packaging and and kind of the pitch for it um, entirely because it was we had the responsiveness, but, you know, like we were we had the speed because we were the in-house kind of resource to do it. Um and we understood the brand uh, very, very well. and and so, yeah, there's you know, a bit of a scramble uh, in the beginning, but uh, in in the end, Every one of those little victories ended up um, making people remember us <laughs> for the next one, and eventually, on that team, we were uh, basically pitching alongside with uh, the external agencies. They wanted to see both ideas, um, and then for some of the smaller brands that that weren't on retainer, um, and, and not um, you know like a priority uh, skew, um, we would be ex- we would be exclusive for them. And so I'm always looking um, for those opportunities. Um, uh in 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 house for menage trois uh uh wine that was a priority skew already so that was you know like my friends would Whenever they would come out uh, to Napa and visit me, they're like, you're like retired. This is this is weird. And it was, you know, like uh, it, you could think I was checked out there because it, they had such a great infrastructure. It was such a popular product and um, it was a lot easier. It was less of a struggle um, um, for that in-house department. Maybe it's a West Coast thing, um, but, uh, you know, work-life balance, all that. But, yeah. uh, um, you know, similarly, you know, we just took these very... Strange opportunities whenever they came in. Part of that was also talking to people outside of the departments um, uh, that you might not normally talk to. what was was what was key on a retail basis for that was uh, talking to the sales uh, staff, right. asking them their needs and uh, and their wants. And we came up with a really great conversation that ended up becoming kind of like a staple of how we do things, which was called um, you know, the one tile, uh, the one store tile. Conversation and that was a tool that they could use when they're talking to buyers. And that you know our displays and our point of sale materials are designed specifically to cost them only one tile in their store. And that was, you know, it was a very very successful conversation that ended up um, kind of uh, dictating how all the brands moved forward with their uh, their retail and their in store stuff. So you know that was that was a wonderful um, uh, experience. Uh, Uh, as well to just kind of prepare me to think, to talk to others with the capital O, you know, who are outside the immediate, um, you know, kind of creative zone.
0: That's, that's another interesting touch point. We hear that a lot too. So not only testing new skills out and uh, different passions, but also branching outside of just creative, like getting perspectives from different people, obviously it, it seems obvious, but we get siloed a lot of the time thinking, you know, I'm making design for designers and it's ultimately, uh, for somebody else. So, I mean, that's really interesting too. The fact that you don't, you didn't really love wine or you weren't really, uh, in it, but you were also providing these new perspectives that sparked something that went across all the brands, like figuring out the new tile. Uh, it just goes to show you that you can activate, uh, your, your own perspective outside of your perspective. So, yeah. Um
2: yeah, and, uh, and similarly with. Uh, I just came back uh, last week. I was um, week before. I was uh, in Kentucky on a photo shoot for you know a new uh, um, product that uh, Papa John's is coming out with, and there are you know people from the, um, the the menu and culinary staff there. You know actually cook it, and then it goes from an oven on set to uh, to be photographed. And in between, there's all this downtime. As I'm sure you've known on, on a photo shoot, that um, you know I just I converse with them. Because um, you know they have the the reality of actually making the products and doing R and D, and I learned so much um, from the people actually making the pizza. Uh, uh, other than you know the the brand, the marketing, and uh, um, the, all the artists on like the one side, uh, there's these like two guys just standing on the, on the other side waiting uh, to make pizzas, and talking to them is so fruitful and um, just li- just leave with a list of. Um, of uh, of uh, of ideas, and so when we and so from those conversations, uh, when we're back in real life, and I think in January um, in the Atlanta Battery, um, one of the first things we're going to do is get a 3D printer, <laughs> and we're going to start printing out some of these cool things that uh, you know that came from conversations there. So it just it all just it always comes back to that uh, in a in a very interesting it's a very interesting way because for me part of the challenge of being in houses is is retaining new talent um uh uh, young talent uh and uh, because they have so many options (laughs) and uh uh, and and keeping it interesting and that is one of the ways that you know we can we can do that because yes 80 percent of the work is going to be you know repetitive and executional and we might not always dictate um where artistic direction is coming from but uh you know there those little amazing opportunities are just so much fun um Uh, when when they come up because no one's prepared for them and then you you get to you and your team get to show them this thing that they had no idea that they needed
0: i love that yeah it's like um instead of fighting the wave of trying to force something to happen that you believe necessarily that might be great you Mm kind of listen and find the paths that should be activated and yeah find new ways to activate them which is really cool Um, and and kind of on that note too like um, going back to like when you're working at these brands and you made the one tile, like what was, you were talking a little bit about the new skill of 3D design that you really pushed forward that you really kind of fell in a passion for. Can you talk mm. a little bit about that?
2: Yeah. For, for that, uh, you know, so at the, the, the kind of hero of the piece uh, much to the chagrin of the uh, brand team, uh, our, our retailers kept on asking us for uh, a, a lamp that we designed for it was like a triple headed lamp for menage um, a trois wine and um, retailers loved it because it had this very simple T shape. It only took up one square and you could build cases around it. Um, and I just have all these great photos of, of, of the inventive things that the merchandisers did with it um, uh, in the field. And um, how I went about that, uh, which, you know, takes a little bit from, you know, cartooning and a little bit from 3D stuff that I learned was um, I actually did it like actual size. I took a piece of, um, of, uh, of um, acrylic and, and I put it behind a case stack and I just drew on it uh, in the real size that it was going to be. And so I can talk to my creative director about it and, and the brand people and, um, you know, uh, and anybody who just kind of passed by would have comments about it and you can see how big it would be in real life and you would just you know, rather than just doing like a 3D model, you know, because I love doing that too. I, I love modo and and Autodesk Fusion and all of that stuff. But you know, it's this big, and then when you go to print it out, it doesn't necessarily work. And um, and so that that process worked really well, and that's one that I you know continue to to use because equally going before that, um, uh, I got in a really bad situation where I did an amazing um 3d rendering uh for a, uh, a a wine label for Villa Pozzi. it's a sicilian wine and they loved it so much and i couldn't reproduce it in real life oh, nice. and that way because we just couldn't because the rendering had this like exact kind of gold and this finish that they wanted and, and it took almost a year to, to find a printer who could actually reproduce this thing that stakeholders zeroed in on they loved it too much so from that point on, I told all designers you're doing, there are no sketches, there are no, <laughs> we don't present sketches and we don't present renderings. Like it's gonna be a physical bottle that we know, a physical thing that we know that we can deliver. It looks like, works like uh, prototype. So that, that was, a, that was a, a failure that I turned into a clear, you know a clear learning um, that, that I use to, to this day and uh, just trying to work one-to-one um, uh, whenever possible. Um, not always possible, but, you know,
0: makes sense. I mean, yeah, that, that can be a challenge uh, for sure. For designers, uh, you present something because you're really excited about it, but not fully thought through the actual model and you're like, Oh, it gets stuck. But, I mean, it happens, uh, and it's usually that where the stakeholders were zero in on that specific thing too. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah, always yeah, prototype.
2: Yeah. yeah, it's like uh, how a cat always knows who's the allergic person in the room. <laughs> you know, it's it's that type of thing showing work to a stakeholder. It's just like, you know, um, I just assumed that a um, a vendor could just make anything happen, and that was a mistake. But you know, one I won't repeat. Yes. Well. <laughs> on
0: that note uh, of developing your career. Uh, We talked a little bit about the passion and developing alongside each other uh, and that they're not necessarily the same thing, but they can benefit each other, uh, building new perspectives. Uh, So your career taking you through a lot of different companies. Uh, So I'm curious uh, about how your learnings helped you build brands specifically. So going on building brands and your teams. So do you mind telling us a little bit about your global brand experience?
2: Yeah, uh, from an in, in, in-house perspective, um, you know, in the beginning, it was definitely much more uh, executional. So it's just like they had, there's this kind of like mandate, and then you have to make it real um, into all the, the the pieces and parts. And so, um, you know, and I've been in, involved in kind of like, you know, the one of two ways that, 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 that I've seen it work you're kind of like, you're getting a blueprint (laughs) from an architectural agency, and now you got to go ahead and build this thing. Um, Or you're involved in the actual design and the making of the blueprints. And then you have to go build the thing as well. But um, either way has worked uh, for me um, on some of the established brands um, that, you know, the very big brands, they've always had um, external marketing support. So, you know, agencies of note, definitely for media placement and things like that. Um, you know, we couldn't, unfortunately, do in the first Yellowtail um, uh, Super Bowl commercial, so we couldn't do that in-house, obviously. So, uh, you know, uh, for a multitude of reasons, but uh, uh, where I explained to my team on that is like, uh, you know, we uh, we were able, all the interference we were able to run so they could concentrate on doing that while the agency was working on that, that was our success. Um, and so, um, it is a, that part is definitely always a team effort. We're never—I've always tried to establish a culture of we're never in competition with the external uh, resources. It's an exchange um, of ideas, and uh, you know, if there are if their ideas are better, well, that's something we have to work on. Mm-hmm. If not, well, we can make the we can make the 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 case by our work and showing why it isn't so um yeah it's never been us or them on that um and then for some of the smaller brands i found um and the smaller projects i found were the greater opportunities for the kind of brand building and the storytelling and that's why the the um the experience at uh, the school of visual arts was so helpful in that um you know, like I said, I could that that final thesis pitch. If I could survive that room of like Stephen Eller and uh, Milton Glaser and 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 uh, all the other faces, that I don't even remember now. Uh, like, yeah, I can I can pitch to to any other brand person on a on an idea. And I I know I I joke about not being emotionally attached to the content. I do believe that does help for me. It has helped because if I was working in toys or, or or game design or something like that where i loved it so much I would be so crushed at the end of the day if something didn't didn't go my way but you know if we went so but you know for a wine label if we went with pantone 342 instead of 341 like i will sleep that night i will <laughs> sleep so I, but uh you know but again that kind of attitude can come sometimes be perceived as um disengaged so i'm, I'm working on that <laughs> Uh, oh, but exactly. I, but it, I do believe it. It gives an objectivity and maybe a, a breath of fresh air into, into the conversation. That you know, when everyone else is flying so close to the sun um, on on a particular subject and they love it too much, we start talking to ourselves. And mm-hmm. that's where I think working with an ex- external agency is so important because um, you know they can sometimes see uh, what we don't.
0: Yeah, that just fits perfectly into what we're talking about with uh, perspectives and yeah, flying too close so we can be in our channel and, and just forget that it's for somebody else or for something else. You know, we're graphic designers. We have an art art background, but it's for a purpose. So yeah. finding that out. And, you know, we talked about something interesting too about like brand books. You know, there's, there's so many different ways of making brand books. And uh, you mentioned uh, specifically about how um, one of the most important things that a lot of the time they leave out is what not to do. Yeah. So wondering if you'd
2: talk a little bit about that. Yeah, yeah. You know, so for Ménage à Trois, obviously, the, you know, um, that was, it came from a, another wine brand called Folia Due which, you know, means, you know, which is a psychological term. They're both psychological terms. just one has taken a different connotation culturally. Um, and, and so every agency that would come in you know, it was, you know, despite being in Napa, despite being in wine, despite being a brand called the company was rather conservative. And so everybody that pitched us always thought they were blowing our minds by doing something naughty. And so eventually we had to put it into like, kind of like a pitch book that they would see uh, prior. And uh, it was just like, well, this is what we are and this is what we aren't. Um, And, uh, you know, without muddying the water or being, because, you know, we do want those fresh ideas, but also we don't want um, external resources wasting their time on things that we know you know that they're, they're not going um to want to hear um or to just step up the game uh you know to, to such a degree where we couldn't say no i hadn't really seen that happen but you know it could yeah. but um yeah, yeah so yeah that that's been part of my kind of my way of working as well is a you know a qa checklist for especially the some of the young, younger designers uh, you know to to make sure these things are are checked off um uh, in a way that doesn't impede creativity but at the same time doesn't waste anybody's resources because it's just like you know we would get things like this is not and and i add i put in like examples of like tom ford ads and things like that because you just imagine what we were pitched and uh <laughs> it's just like this is not what we are and then uh, um and that was a pretty fun kind of book to, to put together um because i i think it, it helped people just focus on on where their strengths were and ideas that would actually kind of happen because you know stakeholder um uh input again from not just from like our immediate like design and and marketing um teams but actually getting stakeholder input some like a patron who will support like our team's work um uh, particularly on some of the more kookier ideas that's also key is you know Building those relationships, identifying who those people are, and trying to um, foster those those relationships so um, you can get buy-in on something that might be outside of our our comfort zone.
0: Yeah, I think that's really key knowledge right there. Uh, when building a brand, it's not always about what what we are; it's what we aren't, uh, and and giving that ahead of time. So, and to think about that too, as young designers, anybody on the call, to always think about like uh, is this, is this also not what we need to be? Like it, it might be, it's too luxury or, you know, like it isn't yeah. a brand it's cool. And it does hit all the colors and it, it's in the right split place, but it, finding out what it isn't is a key insight that you learn from, from people outside of the art art design. So yeah. really, really key. Um, also I guess talking about, you know, uh, in a different direction on hiring, uh, how do, how do you look for your team building in that aspect uh, how, who, how do you hire
2: yeah the, for for well the the before I mention uh, uh, my first hire ever mm. uh, Courtney many years ago she's now creative director at the, you know that company so I, I was just, i love to know that um, that awesome. uh, that what we built together still is still there and um and she's taking it farther than I ever did that's just a really awesome feeling and um I was joking with uh, the photographers um, um, on the last day of shooting, because it was just kind of me left, everyone else had already bailed. And they were these kind of like, kind of like stock photography ish, like photos of ingredients and things like that. And, you know, making kind of like a joke on how like, you know, like, wow, I guess this is how important it is that everyone decided that they could go um, besides me. And, um, you know, and, and I made a joke with them that I always try to hire people who care more than me no matter what my level of care is on something, you know, so I mentioned before the direct report who was very rigid and very kind of linear and that, you know, she went and did letter press. She loved color correction. She loved going on press checks, So she became G7 certified and, and, and things of that nature. So uh, for me, I just try to keep an, an, an ear out while I'm talking to someone um, as to, you know, basically how, much they care and how much, you know, and, and, and basically like um, from a um, uh, kind of a mercenary kind of view, how I can profit from that, but also, you know, uh, what would make them happy there long-term that they would have those opportunities. And, um, and and if that's something I could continue to provide, because I think, um, you know, much g- going to like uh, the, the materials that Amy uh, hinted at in her presentation right now. I think it's more important for companies to pitch to the candidate than the candidate to pitch to the company. Cause I'm not an idiot. I know I can look at their work. I can see what they're capable of. And it's just like, you know, if I really wanted to, I could have give them a test in the software or something like that. I don't bother with any of that stuff It's more important to me to, un- to make sure that they're happy that I wouldn't be interviewing for their, I don't want churn. Uh, I know that times have changed. People don't stay in a job for 15 years anymore. Um, but that is what i would I would like to engender that uh I know that we did it once with the the you know, because we were like crying <laughs> when I left uh the uh, the Deutsch family on Yellowtail. like I loved that team and we're all on a group chat to this day um so many years later. and so uh, I know it's possible um to um uh, to to have. Uh, a great environment where you do great work and uh it feels like a family and i and that's what i strive for um yeah so and then passion of course whatever it is uh and and openness and and things like that and i'm really finding myself pitching more to them um than them pitching to me because i can see their talent Um, um i don't need to be convinced um uh and then the also what's very telling is the questions they ask me um uh during like uh, the the part of the the, like the last part of the interview you know when 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 you open it up to them is also extremely um telling
0: yeah just personality you know you can't really teach that uh you can teach skills um yeah and I think it's also a really important part that you just brought, mentioned. Uh, you know, building a team that you feel like you're family with uh, can create lifelong relationships even after you leave. And a lot of the time, those are the ways that those blossom into things that you can't see uh, into the future. It's so important when. I think what you're saying to look for somebody that you really feel connects in and not just for a body to be sitting there to do execution. Yeah, work, yeah. That's how you uh, get
2: yeah we, we spend so much time with each other that, you know, the obviously the, you know, the, the culture, but that's why the, this opportunity with uh, Papa John's is, is so awesome is that, you know, it's, it's almost an all new team uh, in, in Atlanta. And so um, we can kind of make up whatever kind of culture we want then it, it that is an amazing kind of um experience rather than going into you know like a microsoft or something like that where you know they clear or an apple where that the culture is very clearly defined before you get in um and so that part to me is extremely um, um exciting and and that's also something i'm kind of looking for as as we're hiring right now is just trying to find you know uh, that unique voice we don't have yet because I might not be aware of that thing I need um, and don't know right now. So. Well,
0: that's awesome. Um, we're getting close to the end. I got one more question here in this section. Uh, so uh, how do you inspire team to keep them going and push them outside of the comfort zone? I'm, I'm interested in that.
2: Yeah, well, I, I try to make sure that um, when we're building out these teams that we, we're, we're getting generalists so everyone can kind of do the same thing. So I just don't want like the email person and the packaging person. Whatever. If that happens naturally, that's fine. You know, if people have a passion, I'm not going to take it away from them. Yeah. Um, you know, like, and it, sometimes it happens naturally. I'm just very wary of silos and bottlenecks. Um, and so um, I just, I keep an open dialogue. I do, you know, have the, there's the daily communication um, that just goes over the, um, the current queue as well as individual one-on-ones and part of that, you know, I don't wait for the review, (laughs) you know, the uh, end of year review to find out if they're happy. You know, uh, I I, I am constantly just probing them as to whether or not, you know, um, that they're feeling fulfilled. What is it that they're not working on that they'd like to be working on? Do you see any opportunities when they're talking to someone cross, you know, cross-functionally and, you know, that, that, that bore fruit just recently with uh, the redesigning of some email templates and, Things like that just these little these little tiny moments of uh you know just making a culture where it's okay to be surprised and you don't get punished for raising your hand
0: well that's great uh, so it's so easy it sounds so easy it's so hard to do though that's yeah, a relationship keeping a relationship like that um and i commend you for that for sure that's really great so um well, we're coming close to the end, so I fi- I figure we can end on some uh, fun fun conversations. Talk a little bit about your passions. Uh, so <laughs> I don't know if you would like to talk a little bit about maybe uh, you were talking about board games or games. Are you playing anything right now that that could be fun for everyone here to hear about?
2: Yeah. Well, you know, when we got to Napa, you know, we had to kind of start you know, like we didn't know anybody on the West Coast, and so uh, we just went on Meetup and we found some a really great um, a group called Games and Grub, and so it, like you know trivia and 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 tabletop gaming and and stuff like that. So that um, uh, that that was fun, and like they just they had everything. We didn't have to bring anything, and so we would just play it all. Um, I I was just looking recently at uh, uh, was it Cthulhu. Death, something I forgot, but oh. you know, after having a kid, it all fell away. Yeah. So I'll be, I'll be honest <laughs> okay. on that. Yeah, my son was born sense. in 2008. Yeah, so right now, uh, gaming is um, green toys, which are, are these really great sustainable um, um, uh, toys uh, that that I love, and um, Santiago of the Seas on Nickelodeon. That is <laughs> that is my content there. But yeah, um, uh, funny enough, that's something I never could have foreseen. Um, I always felt maybe I missed an opportunity by not going into in-house like toy design somewhere um, and then uh, seeing uh, my son interact with things like, you know, green toys and uh, the, uh, some, of, some of these great products. I'm like, man, you know, so that, that's a little bit of a regret on there. But how was I supposed to know, you know, um, when I was going to school that I would even have that experience with, with my own children seeing his joy and and how he interacts with things and then that perspective as well so um yeah but yeah you can i don't know if you can probably see behind me but yeah there's always toy you know i'm not fully uh unpacked yet but yeah there will be there will be toy edge there and i figure what better way to be taken seriously by your peers than having a wall of toys behind you right
0: <laughs> At minimum, <laughs> breaks down the wall via <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> open there. So yeah, and there's yeah. still time. There's still time to, to work on those uh, oh, yeah. projects. Yeah. Like Milton Glazer said, you know, maybe yeah. later that's when you bring Well, you I
2: what the 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 I think the the advent, prevalence, and continued success of things like Patreon and and uh, um, uh, and other uh, and crowdsourcing that uh, it is totally possible uh and and cost effective in in the way to do so doing like you know the garage kit type of thing whether it's designer vinyl or or anything else um you know i'm definitely looking you know uh to get back into uh to all of it uh really because again it's it's um the pressure to be the best in that particular category um it's affected me uh in that it's just like you know well i I'm not Alex Ross. I'm not, uh, you know, Jim Lee. So why bother? <laughs> you know, I'm not Bill Watterson. So why bother doing any of these things? And it's just, you know, that that conversation I think has changed a little bit with, uh, um, you know, the advent of the digital tip jar and um, um, and social media. So I'm hoping to to um, to definitely get back into it once I am not so exhausted. <laughs>
0: Absolutely (laughs) right now. So uh, on that note, uh, this has been really fantastic, Jerry. Thank you
2: so much again. Yeah, thank you all.
0: Absolutely. Great insights. Uh, We'll be in touch. Thank you guys so much for joining us. Uh, And uh, one note, this is just for next time. We're also going to be doing our next webinar the second Wednesday, not the first Wednesday. So we'll let you guys know that uh, over social media, but Jerry, thank you so much. Uh, have a great rest of your day. And- thank you
2: very much. I will be definitely tuning in and uh, I'm so happy to be here in, in Georgia. I hope to, to meet some of the people on this call.
0: Absolutely, we will. Thank
2: you. righty.
0: All right, guys. Have a great have evening. Have
2: a good day, everybody.